to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Chet Waterhouse. Yeah, brother! Good everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, killer comic and writer Ted Alexandro. We're going to be talking to Ted in just a sec. First, let me thank the folks that sponsor this podcast for real. Starburns.com. Google it. Never worry about laughing again. Trust me. We got Advice Corner and Fiery 4. Pop quiz coming up. Good show. And as always, before we get to my guest, Ted Alexandro, time for the Waterhouse Update. Brought to you by J.C. Penny, Dressing homicide detectives for over 60 years. NBA All-Star Game. Won by Team Jung Boon Ho. Wow. I've seen more contact at a harassment seminar. LeBron James had 13 points during a story meeting with Netflix. Six-point penalty on the West when no one could correctly spell Antetokounmpo. There were rules for the fourth quarter that had to be decoded by the Enigma machine. Dunk contest won by an Amazon delivery drone wearing a Buffalo Braves jersey. That wrap-up brought to you by Talcoholics. Get addicted to dryness with Talcoholics. XFL, the Butte Sheepguts beat the Reno Road Flares 11-8 on a five-point ricochet field goal off a sprinkler spigot. New fair catch rule, the receiver must quote a Dave Matthews lyric. Wow, that sounds like a good one. Astros cheating scandal. Turns out they hired David Blaine to make seven opposing base runners disappear. Those base runners turned up in the movie Cats unharmed. Dodgers Cody Bellinger pounded on the Astros harder than that weirdo punching that lady's reclined airline seat. That wrap-up sponsored by Fish and Chimps, the seafood restaurant with monkey waiters. Daytona 5. 500. Delay till uh, later in the week uh, due to several wild gators in pit row. I think that was it. Race winner. I don't believe it. Jong Boon Ho. President Trump took a spin on the track in his Beacons moving van limo. Golf. Adam Scott takes the LA Open, wins a million bucks, and a dirty look from Billie Eilish. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 2005, the place, New York, New York, due to labor strife, National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Batman cancels the entire season. The news went unreported for another two years. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Sparka, the only parka with its own small fire. Get out of the darka with Sparka. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, crazy funny comic, special streaming right now called The Senior Class of Earth, Ted Alexandro. Ted, how are you today? Chad, I am I am so good and uh, a big fan of yours and uh, you know that 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 kind of uh, sports wrap up like my head is still spinning. I there's like I'm going to have to re-listen to that the the amount of information you pack in 
is uh, is mind-boggling. Yeah, you know, if your head is spinning, you should try one of my other products, acetaminophen. Blow the aspirin right into your face with acetaminophen. Uh, I always try to guess kind of uh, the athletic history of my guest just based on their look. And uh, you, uh, you look like the black sheep of Andre Agassi's family. You got the bald head and the beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like you went to college to study art, and then you wound up like getting shot on a Greenpeace freighter or something like that. You have a you have a, you have a classic. You're in look. the ball. You're in the ballpark. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I played I played some high school basketball, um, but yeah, no, there there is no lineage to the Agassi family. A big big fan, but uh, basketball was my main sport. Couple years of high school basketball, but then like many, derailed by a. A coach who had a personal vendetta. Otherwise, I, I think I was NBA bound. At least that's that's my story. Wow, the personal vendetta. This, you know, this runs uh, uh, eons deep. These vendettas. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he just bench you uh, because uh, he didn't like Italians? What happened there? I think yeah. You know that I, I didn't want to start that rumor. I think that may have had part partly uh, something to do with it. But I think uh, yeah, the, it was kind of almost like a football factory. And they used basketball to kind of keep the football players in shape. So I think that, you know, that was kind of what I what I felt. Uh, I, I never got off the bench because I didn't play football. Yeah, that's uh, that's no good. That uh, that would be uh, that would be illegal nowadays. I think I would hope so. Uh, yeah, but I did get revenge against this coach because they had a, a like a three on three charity event recently and, and a three point contest. And I won the three-point contest. This is, you know, I'm, I'm a 50-year-old man now, and I still hold this vendor. I won the three-point contest, and he handed me the trophy. And I made eye contact with him, like, now now do you finally get it? Do you, do you finally get you know, I beat, like, a 10-year-old kid, by the way, but, but I won. Yeah, but, you know, uh, those 10-year-olds, uh, they start at, at the age of three now, especially in New York. That's yes, true. so they probably have – and uh, uh, they're, they still have two healthy knees. I'm sure you're down to one by now. Uh, yeah, maybe a half. You, you, you're not far off on that. And sure. you, you grew up in New York City, correct? Yes, I'm a Queens native. Grew up in a town called Belrose and still live in Astoria, just outside of Manhattan. Now, so, who's, yeah, your, uh, who's, your, who's your teams? Because there's a lot of cross-pollination. Usually it's uh, Mets, Jets, but then there's a lot of Yankees, and uh, and then the Jets, uh, and then uh, there's a lot of the, the Mets Giants. And then the, so what, what was your allegiance Growing up, I was all New York Mets, um, New York Knicks, and I'm not as big. Like I'm a football guy, but I kind of, you know, I watch both Giants and Jets. The Giants were were much better as I was growing up. They were winning Super Bowls with Parcells, so they were the more fun team to watch. The Jets are always kind of just a debacle. Uh, well, and yeah, I, yeah, plus you, you got football stuck in your craw from that high school coach. That's true. Jamming that's it in true. your butt every chance. You get. What was that guy's name? Let's ride him a little bit. What the hell? He, he was a Franciscan brother. brother oh, oh, that's even yeah. worse because they have you know, it out but, for the Italians and the Franciscans. So they, they probably <laughs> slammed down on Louis Carnesecca and all those guys. Uh, I, don't, I don't like the way this is going. I'm going to have to go to New York and straighten this out for you. Uh, so, you know, so, I, didn't, I didn't make it. I didn't do it. Make as many connections as you did, but maybe there's there's a lot more that needs to be uncovered in, in this story 
than I realized. Oh, absolutely. And I'm the guy to do it because uh, 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 nobody's looking. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> and then you went to CC, City College of New York, the fighting, uh, oh, brother. You got me stumped uh, Yeah, there. no, you got that. You got me on that, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at that. Usually I can't think of it. Uh, Jaguars? Probably. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, you had I like mean, a jazz major. Yeah, you, 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 piano. I was a jazz piano major at City College for two years and uh, quickly realized that that was not going to be my path. Uh, they, they used the jazz program to keep the football players in shape. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So they kept you on the bench. You had to sit there and, and uh, you know, uh, you're sitting there watching Herbie Hancock tickle the ivories. You know, right. man, if they just give me a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not fair. This guy's the defensive back for the school team, and, you know, he's getting all the solos. <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, so, but that that lasted about two years, and I loved it and immersed myself in, in, in jazz piano for two years, but, yeah, it was kind of uh, in over my head and then switched to Queens College and got my uh, teaching degree there. So I wound up teaching elementary school music for five years when I was kind of starting out in stand-up at night. So, so you would teach during the day, uh, yeah. the kids, and then uh, go do comedy at night. And uh, yeah. uh, which room was tougher? <laughs> you could flip a coin some days. Um, I bet. But yeah, it was. It was. You know, I tell people it was actually good training ground. And I think there's a fair amount of comedians who have done both uh, because it's it's public speaking, you know, and pe- keeping people engaged. Uh, but yeah, some some of those uh, kindergarten classes were, were tougher than a room full of drunks. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I think uh, now that I'm thinking of it, uh, maybe a tip you could take from the kindergarten class would be to hand out snacks at a comedy club. That might, I think that would keep, <laughs> that might keep people focused. Uh, that tip uh, from Ted and myself brought to you by Sticky Buns, the breakfast joint with hot girls telling funny jokes. And hey, look at this, Ted. Coins were still perfectly good money, you know. So uh, what made you switch uh, when, when you're thinking, was it just the fact that you saw so many better players or was there something in you driving you towards comedy anyway? It was a combination of the two. I I had done a lot of musical theater and plays and stuff like that in in high school uh, and knew that I I was inclined towards being in the arts in some some way. But I kind of felt like I'm not going to get a degree in acting. That's like a weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I had played piano since I was five or six years old and and loved it and kept up with it. So I thought, like, all right, this will be this will be what I do. But you know, I it was just clear that like that wasn't going to be my path. And as I was at Queens College, they had like a sketch comedy group, and I got into that. And I teamed up with another guy, uh, and we wound up kind of just going to open mics as a duo. So that was like a good way to kind of just get a sense of the New York comedy scene. We'd go to the comic strip, we'd go to stand up New York, uh, and I performed as a duo for almost two years. And that was just, you know, it was a good way to kind of get into it and, and get a sense of, of what the comedy scene was about. And then you finally uh, dumped that football player who's keeping you on the bench. <laughs> that ballast, that dead weight. You got into the right. solo career. Uh, now, do you approach it the same way as you maybe approach music? Is comedy like a, like a little bit written and then a little bit solo for you? How do you look at it? 
Chet, you know, that is uh, a great insight. No one's for, ever for said that guy. from one of my <laughs> questions. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I do think, uh, you know, that those two years as a jazz piano major were not wasted because I think it did lay a foundation for kind of how I approach stand-up. Um, first of all, it gave me a great work ethic and just being around a lot of great musicians. But like what you what you alluded to there was like the combination of having a written foundation and then kind of going off of that and, you know, and playing around and seeing what's in the crowd and seeing what happens in the moment. So uh, you're, you're right on the ball there. So now, uh, yeah, first of all, uh, your parents just breathed a huge sigh of relief when they heard you say that your college schooling well, was uh, not all for naught. They actually just went, oh, whew, wow, that was good. Uh, and then the uh, yeah. second thing is, in addition, uh, now yeah, you had parents who were teachers. Uh, and, That's right. And so now yeah, yeah, that, that, that kind of laid a, um, a base for you in, in not only education but in labor because then when you got into comedy, you did almost the impossible thing. You actually organized – Comedians and comedians get into comedy because they don't want to be organized by anybody, <laughs> and yet you somehow yes. kind of you kind of pulled them together. Uh, the comedians coalition there, and you got pay bumps at a lot of the clubs in 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 New York. That that had to be a, a tricky road. Yeah, no, you you described that well because because comedians are like independent contractors basically, and and like you said, they're not in it to be part of any kind of group. Um, but yet there is, as you know, uh, you know, in any kind of field of work, uh, there's a there's a camaraderie amongst comedians. So I, I was probably about 10 years in at the point that I started to organize the New York Comics. There was just more and more grumbling in the ranks about how there hadn't been a pay raise since the 80s in New York. Uh, so, you know, people were feeling like it was time to do something. So luckily myself and another comic, Russ Maneev, uh, Tom Shalou, uh, the three of us kind of spearheaded it, um, and we wound up getting the pay bumped uh, on a couple of different occasions. That's pretty impressive. Uh, now, did you ever think, uh, you know, maybe I should go to Los Angeles, or or was New York uh, enough activity for you? Because New York's kind of gone up and down roller coaster. There have been times when there hasn't been a lot of stuff going on, and other times where it's crazy busy. Uh, did you ever ever tempted by L.A.? Yeah, I mean, you know, like most comedians, especially New York comedians, I spent some time in L.A. Uh, for pilot seasons. You know, I, I lived out there for a couple of different pilot seasons, never kind of picked up and, and totally moved, but, you know, spent months at a time out there. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's kind of this recurring theme in life that, that I get a sense of, you know, maybe sometimes it takes longer than others. Uh, I get a sense of like, okay, this isn't really for me, and I kind of got the sense that the pilot scene yeah. and the uh, and L.A. Uh, you know just wasn't my thing. Certain comics, you know, they take to it and it, they they get cast right away and they get one deal after another. But I I think you know my thing has been more just I'm I'm a comic and I get acting work uh, from other comics a lot of times people who have shows and appear in, in their stuff. But um, yeah, but stand up is really my my foundation. Well, that's impressive. Now, we're going to talk about two of your things right now. The first is uh, the podcast, uh, which you do yourself, which, uh, good <laughs> God, I can barely get to my studio on time, for Christ's sake. You do the whole thing 
you're like the microphones, and then you uh, you, you magically upload it to uh, wherever it goes so that people can well, listen to it. That's impressive to me. First of all, name of the podcast. Thanks, tell, tell the folks well, about it. The name of the podcast is a little bit me, uh, and that's based on one of my one of my jokes where I talk about guys at the gym giving you a spot. And uh, they, they yell, all, all you, all you. And, you know, in the joke, I say, a little bit me, mostly you. <laughs> so uh, That's great. So, yeah, but, but Chet, honestly, uh, what I do is not all that different than what you do. You know, you're giving me way more credit than I deserve. It's, it's basically speaking into a microphone, and then I have a producer who handles it from there. Well, it's going great for you. And then this uh, thing, I don't think, uh, the, the teacher's lounge. It got, yeah. got, got a lot of heat. It was a little show you did on the Internet, correct? That's correct. Yeah. my, uh, You know, it's funny because the, the, the very guy that I started in stand-up with, Hollis James, he and I, we've been kind of uh, working on projects over the years together. It wasn't like once we stopped doing stand-up as a two-man that we, that we you know, completely parted ways creatively. And so, so we had this idea, based on my teaching experiences, to do a web series called Teacher's Lounge. So basically the idea is I play the music teacher, Hollis plays the janitor at a, an elementary school, and we're always just wasting time in the teacher's lounge. And then various comedians come in in every episode playing different faculty members. So we got Jim Gaffigan as the school nutritionist, uh, Judy Gold as the gym teacher, Todd Barry as the librarian, and uh, on and on. Lewis Black was the principal. So every episode, uh, you can see all 10 of them. Uh, teacher's lounge on YouTube, but it, yeah, it was a great experience. And, you know, the hope was to kind of parlay that into uh, some kind of show sitcom. Um, hasn't happened yet, but you know, you never know, keeping our fingers crossed. Never know, and uh, all we got to do is uh, submarine some of those Franciscan brothers that are in show business. <laughs> Get them out the hell out of the way for people. Hey, speaking of that Gaffigan guy, uh, you yes. do a lot of dates with him, and th- this kid's uh, he's like the Gatling gun of comedy. He just sprays oh. great jokes indiscriminately, and he doesn't care who they hit. Soldiers, children, <laughs> doesn't matter to Jim Gaffigan. He's just killing everybody. That's true, Chad. He, he is a machine. Uh, Jim and I have been friends for probably close to 20 years, kind of came up through the New York scene together. And then maybe six years ago, I was doing this kind of uh, DIY tour through the South. I was doing like New Orleans and uh, Mobile, Alabama and a few other cities, just like kind of strung together by calling up comedian friends and saying like, can I, not even clubs, just putting together like little bar shows, little rooms. And it was like, you know, kind of getting back to the love of just doing the, the little kind of crappy shows. You know, the shows are good, but I'm talking about, it's not, it's not like the, yeah, you're not going to the, to the marquee venues. You're finding the comedy. That's right. That's right. And people are glad to be there. So that's how I find most of my gigs. I just go to cities and go, (laughs) Hey, what do you guys do for kicks? I'll call it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I was uh, I was doing this little tour I had put together, and out of the blue, I get a call from Jim. You know, like we're friends, but it's not like we talk on the phone all the time. And he says, uh, "Would you like to do a, a bus tour with me this summer? It'll it'll be like sixty dates over the course of uh, a few months." So I said, "Yeah, sure." So you know, I, I wound up finishing that little uh, run of shows I did and hopped on a bus with Jim. And here we are six months later, uh, you know, I've been touring with him basically ever since. 
and we're going to be doing Radio City coming up uh, next month, I believe. Yeah, you got so it's, it's great, man. It's great. And and all of those uh, uh, Gaffigan Alexandro dates, uh, at least here on on Play with Pain, are sponsored by uh, pecan goo. What do you think holds a pecan pie together? Your mother's love and rectories, unhealthily isolating priests for over 18 centuries. Now, listen, I got a bona fide uh, touring comic big timer with me. Time for Advice Corner, actual takeaway from the great Ted Alexander, who's seen uh, it all in stand-up from uh, the tiniest bar in New Orleans all the way up to Radio City Music Hall. So let's, uh, Ted, I, I, I'm going to ask you five straight questions here because uh, you never know. Uh, you know how you got started. Well, uh, in addition to them, them keeping uh, the man keeping you down, uh, Right, you right. know, uh, <laughs> you know, you fight, you claw, you never know. You hear something that's inspirational, to you on the radio, you never say, so never know who's listening there. It might be a kid out there. So uh, let's see if we can't help him out a little. All right, here's question number one: um, what, what tells you uh, that you may know a club date is going to be good? Like when you walk into a club, you've been in all kinds of any. When you walk in, what tells you oh, uh, this could be a good? This could be a good week. Chet, you know uh, the, the telltale sign that I'm going to have a fun week is, and this is a, a rather small detail, but very telling. If the club manager or hostess or whoever the uh, club's employee is, greets you, says hello, makes you feel welcome, says, what can I get you? Uh, shows you to the green room, knows that you are in fact a stand-up comedian. Sometimes you walk in the door yeah. and believe it or not, they, uh, they don't know uh, that you're headlining that week or they, they, you know, and that's as much a reflection on me. I admit that, but no, you, no, know, no. you would think, you would think that the employees of the club would know uh, what that week's headliner looks like. Um, but so that, that is a telltale sign. If they greet yeah. you and there's, there's a warmth and there's uh, you know, they're cordial and they, they invite you in that that's a good sign that you're in, in a good club. Yeah, they should be able to tell the headliner from the beer distributor, at least. <laughs> now, uh, what, uh, speaking of, next question, what lets you know a gig might be going south when you walk into a club? What, is, uh, what do you think? Um, well, you know, one telltale sign for that is if the televisions are on uh, <laughs> at, at showtime. Uh, if there's a... A major or even just a regional sporting event uh, that they can't. It's worse uh, if it's regional. It's even worse yeah. if it's regional. <laughs> That's true. So I've competed with all all manner of sporting events. It's collegiate hockey, Clarkson versus Colgate. Uh oh. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they say we'll, we'll turn down the volume, but uh, we got we got to keep them on. <laughs> All right, quick travel tip because you uh, you've been on the road like what's your what's your little time saver, uh, um, uh, angst saver, agita remover travel tip? I would say a couple of things. One is pack light. Uh, you know, in my early days as a comedian, I hadn't traveled a whole lot, and I I, I think out of anxiety, I would. I would pack an enormous bag for like a two-day trip. Uh, now, over the years, I've, I've realized less is more. If I can get away with a backpack with, you know, a couple of changes of underwear and shirts, yeah. uh, I'll do that. Um, so, yeah, pack light. You can always buy whatever you need in any city that, that you're at, usually. And the other thing is get out of the hotel. Uh, when you're, you know, for any performer, any comedian, the the uh, temptation can sometimes be to just stay in the hotel and watch 
you know, uh, listen to your show, watch sports. Um, but you got to get out and kind of, you know, you got to just breathe the air and go get a coffee, whatever it is, just yeah. see what the city's about. Yeah, get out and pack light. I got uh, last week I was uh, calling the weak-handed axe-throwing championships. Got through the whole <laughs> four-day weekend with just a fanny pack. All right, next question. <laughs> How do you stay calm following someone who killed? You worked the New York scene. You've had to follow big comics. You've had to follow celebrity comics walking in just off the street to do a guest set and bang sure. it out, whether it was Chris Rock or uh, or, or uh, Michael Chayoff, SNL, or whoever it might be, and bam, sure. they, they come in and light the place on fire. You're the next act. How do you stay grounded? How do you stay calm? How do you do your thing? What do you focus on? Well, you know, Chad, it's interesting because those celebrity drop-ins are a mixed bag. Sometimes if it's a legend like you alluded to, whether it's Rock or, or Dave Chappelle, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, not only are they legends, but they are indeed great comedians. So, you know, the crowd is excited and, and those comedians obviously deliver. Uh, sometimes if it's more of just a celebrity, uh, they'll be excited. The crowd will be excited when they take the stage, but sometimes the comedian can't really maintain it because, you know, maybe they're trying stuff out or maybe they're just not as great a comedian as they are like just a big celebrity. Right. Right. Uh, so, so, so it's a mixed bag in that respect. But what you say is true over the years coming up through New York, I've had to follow everybody. So, uh, it makes you stronger. It makes you better. In the beginning, I, I remember following Sandler, like when I first started and like things kind of going south because I, I couldn't follow him and didn't know what to do and it was trying too hard. Uh, but now, you know, sometimes it'll just take a simple line, like saying, how about a hand for my, my opening act, Chris right. Rock, or, you know, it's just something to kind of, and also they just had a great experience. So yeah. sometimes I'll even say like, you know, you already, you already have your story for the night. You don't, whatever I do doesn't matter. You yeah. know, you're not gonna, you're not going to say the guy with the beard was good. You're going to say, I, I saw Dave Chappelle. Great point. Great point. And always remember what you're saying. Uh, there's a difference between, uh, uh, say, a Chris Rock or a Jerry Seinfeld and, uh, say, Screech uh, from uh, <laughs> that show, whatever the hell that show was. Last question. Uh, I was saved by the bell. That was uh, Best way to clear your head. Regardless, a lot of times performers have a lot of stuff and, young, and younger performers don't know how to get it out of their head before they go on stage. Either a personal problem, business problem, had a travel hassle, even a, even a health issue, and it's kind of all messing up their head. Is there a trick you do or a technique you use to just kind of ground yourself, clear your head before you go on stage? Well, you know, I'm sure you've had that dilemma when, when you sit down in front of the microphone. You know, you're a busy man. You know, you you can't just uh, take whatever's going on in your life and, and, and let it affect the show necessarily. So, I mean, again, I think experience is the best teacher. Like when I started out, uh, you would just kind of uh, fret over every set and agonize over, you know, because you felt like you had to prove yourself every single time. And, yeah. and obviously that continues. But uh, recently I had a gig down in, I think it was down in Atlanta. Uh, or was it? I can't remember. I think it was Ra maybe Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, Wrong, like Savannah, Georgia. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> because of travel mishaps, I literally arrived. It was a 7 o'clock show. 
and I arrived at like seven twenty, seven twenty-five. The uh, the feature act was already on stage, the second comedian. Uh, so I was going on like I had enough time to basically drop my suitcase in the green room and go on stage. So there's an example. Like when I was younger, that I, I don't know if I would have been equipped to to do it, but now as an older comedian and as and, and as an older human being. Uh, I'm able to live in the moment more, not allow those things to kind of frazzle me. And even told the story when I got up on stage of, of what I'd been through. I had to like reroute, take two extra planes and, you know, just basically told them like I did whatever I had to to get here because there was a comedy emergency in, in Raleigh, you know. So, uh, so, 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 so yeah, yeah, you stayed in the moment. Uh, yeah, and, and that helped, and uh, it made a very uh, um, uh, specific and important distinction between humans and comics in that in that last piece of it. But <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people don't understand; it's two different things. That advice corner brought to you by KafkaAsk.com. Ask any question and get a befuddling answer at Kafka Ask. And of course, gargoyles. Scarily holding up the corners of buildings for over 500 years. Plus, Bass Player Hair Salon. Look successfully creepy at Bass Player Hair Salon. Now, oh, this is a big tent. It's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Ted, these are sports takes hotter than Gordon Ramsay finding a roach in your signature potato salad. Fire number one. <laughs> Should they even televise the NBA All-Star Game, or should they just send a police sketch artist? Are these kinds of things worth it? The Pro Bowl, the NBA All-Star Game, the whole thing seems a, a little odd to me. Well, I'm a fan of the NBA All-Star Game. That, to me, is the one All-Star Game that is always worth watching. And with the rules changes this year, did you watch, Chet? The fourth quarter was actually exciting. They were playing defense. I watched, the, no, I, I watched the NBA starting about March 24th. <laughs> I can't take it prior to that. I just can't <laughs> that take it. It makes sense. I get it. I get it. But you <laughs> like it. You like to watch. Uh, do you watch the first two minutes of an NBA game? Because that's impressive if you do that. Uh, yeah, I like to, I like to watch uh, their handshakes and the little dances they do like that's yeah that's i don't want to miss that stuff you know what i think uh here's that uh, which would help me a guy like you you love watching it you love seeing the whole thing uh i i think they should hold the nba all-star game during the westminster kennel club show i think that would spice the whole thing up <laughs> I, I kind need of a combination event yeah yeah, yeah i think yeah i mean why not rope in you know you're, you're kind of doubling your audience i guess yeah, yeah, and uh, you know you could expose uh, NBA people to the dog uh, show culture, and a lot of those uh, tuxedo people they might get involved in the NBA. Who knows? They might buy a team. Seems like that's the way that's to go. True. And uh, but, that's but, true. And if uh, maybe if like a, a dog, <laughs> this is this is going to be in bad taste, Chet. That's all right. The whole show's like, in bad taste. If a legendary dog has has passed away, uh, you know, like like this year. <laughs> sure, the they NBA could have a, a yeah. an in memoriam. Like, that's right. That's right. They could have an entire you know, in memoriam for for uh, individual dogs. And sometimes, let's be honest, in this day and age of climate change, an entire species of dogs may enter <laughs> the in memoriam. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's run that by that bald guy, Adam Silver, see what happens there. Fire number two! <laughs> 
Should they ever have a comic do the Super Bowl halftime? Why hasn't that oh, happened? Oh, man. Good luck to any comic who takes that gig. <laughs> uh, I think like only like Kevin Hart or somebody who's yeah. kind of yeah. in, in, in the kind of NBA culture does the celebrity basketball game usually. Uh, only somebody like Kevin Hart could do it. I, you know, good luck to anyone else. I, I, don't, I don't think I could do that gig. I think that would be great, though. I think Kevin Hart would crush it, and they could put music cues, and then they have a little band come on for five minutes. Or, hell, take a complete left turn. Give Anthony Jeselnik 25 minutes. I would pay to see that. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. <laughs> fire number three. Can the New York Knicks be saved? And if so, how? Oh, maybe if there's like an emergency, if they're like the garden's on fire, literally, they can be saved in a <laughs> so literal like sense. A, but, like an insurance scam. You're talking yeah. about could perhaps <laughs> <Right>. save the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But shy of that, I, I don't foresee it under a James Dolan uh, regime. His ownership has done everything wrong and still they're the, one of the most valuable franchises. So, you know, I don't know if they have any impetus to change. It's, it's pretty much a uh, sinking ship. It's weird if they could get if they could just play like five hundred ball and maybe sneak yeah. in at eighth eighth rung of the playoffs or something. They'd be the toast of the town, and they'd make you know, even more money. And they can't they can't find a way to do it. No, no, you know, Chad, I, I had the experience just recently. Jim Gaffigan surprised me for my birthday and, and took me to courtside uh, seats, like the celebrity row. I was sitting next to. Uh, Howard Stern and his wife and uh, the rapper Jay Cole and, and Spike Lee. I was I was right there. Wow! And uh, it, it was an insane experience. And the Lakers were in town too, so I got to see LeBron right up close and Anthony Davis. I, I had never, you know, I've been to as a New Yorker. I've been to dozens of Knicks games over the course of my lifetime, but uh, that was a first to be that close. It was insane. Take that, Franciscan brother, coach. <laughs> That's right. There's your boy, Ted Alexander, dropping 37 from outside the arc, sitting courtside (laughs) at the Knicks, and what are you doing? You're upstate now. You're probably in Nova Scotia cleaning up some mess at a rectory up there. Finally, fire number four. (laughs) What should baseball have done with the whole Houston Astros uh, scandal? Do you think they handled it right, or do you think there's other things they could have done differently? Uh... Well, you know, you can always go one of two ways with that. I think uh, they could have maybe just made impl- implemented that league-wide so that every batter, in fact, knows what pitch is coming because it, it worked well for the Astros, and people love offense. So instead of making it a scandal, just make it policy. Oh, incorporate it into the rules of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I like it. Well, so the cheating was so sophisticated, we're just going to make it a rule. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we can't keep up with these guys, so you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, and then you could regionally have variations on the uh, banging of the garbage can with a wooden spoon. Like uh, the brewers could have it be a uh, a beer barrel and they're hammering on the side of it with a kielbasa. And you could, yeah, I see this whole thing taking off. Ted, I think you missed right. your calling. I think it's marketing. Maybe that Franciscan brother had something on his mind there keeping you on the bench. Uh, that that fiery down. four brought to you by tea. When there's no other choice but scalding water, 
try tea. Now, I understand uh, you may have a pop quiz for me. This is, uh, folks, of course, uh, enjoy this. I'm, I uh, won last week. I'm 8.76 and 2. I'm on a tear. I'm 2 1 and 1 <laughs> in my last uh, four, four pop quizzes. Uh, and we have a little theme song for this. Let's hear this. Pop quiz. There you go. Wow. Wow. That, yeah. that sets the tone. Now, yeah. we're, now we're ready. I, I'm pretty sure, had I not interrupted, there would have been 12 seconds of dead air there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. I didn't know if something was building. I, I, was, I was, no. was not prepared for that. No, there's nothing building on this show. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, here's the great Ted Alexander with a pop quiz for me. Three questions. Any subject. Doesn't matter. Uh, let's see if Chet Waterhouse can answer Ted Alexandro's uh, pop quiz. All right, Chet. The first one is uh, as again as a native New Yorker, as a as a Mets fan. I don't know how vast your New York baseball knowledge is, specifically Mets. But uh, I'm curious if you know the New York Metropolitans' all time leader in hits. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go deep. Rusty Staub. <laughs> Le Grand Orange. Uh, no, no, but uh, that is a great guess. The the correct answer is career Mets third baseman uh, David Wright. Wow, that's right, David Wright. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that white kid who who uh, played the hot corner there for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's he, he did. Yeah, he, uh, there's a guy who probably should have uh, embarked on the steroid scandal. Kept himself in the league yeah. a couple more years. Picked up a big contract yeah. in the ALDH. That's it. You know, yeah. David Wright, if he'd have done steroids, he'd probably been about 6'1". Because I think he's about 5'4". <laughs> I'm not sure. He is diminutive. All right, yeah, I'm 0-1-1. Let's see if I can't uh, pull this thing out. All right. We're going we're gonna to change gears to tennis. Who holds the record for the most Grand Slams in professional tennis. Venus Williams. No, Serena Williams. I got the wrong Williams sister. I'm going to go Serena Williams. Chet, it, it it shows a lot to me that you that your perspective, your worldview, uh, immediately in, in incorporates women as well. So you were you were right to do that. Well, I just you, think uh, I just think she's hot. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I know I'll get washed out in a hashtag, and I won't have a I won't have some whatever. scandal. That, <laughs> whatever your reasons, Chad, you you just think of a woman. And the correct answer is Margaret Court, who has twenty fourth uh, singles majors. Wow! And Serena Williams is right behind her with twenty three, and I think Roger Federer is the the male leader with with twenty. Yeah, uh, uh, Margaret Court uh, is an amazing athlete. But let's be honest. Uh, that's back when uh, you know they had like eight people in the stands, and they would right. they would light the court with the headlights from their Bentleys. So yeah, yeah a little different back. Then. I think I think a couple of those majors were won against someone from the crowd. They would just pick someone. Well, out. yeah, if if they had a short enough skirt and they could move, if they had sneakers, which a lot of people didn't right. wear back then. <laughs> right. All right, I'm 0-2. Right. Let me see if I can save my dignity. Teddy, you've done it. You've broken my hot streak. But uh, let's see if I can't uh, if I can't save some uh, some sports uh, sportscaster dignity here. Question All right, Chad. My, my third one is, in fact, sportscaster-related. This is a fact that I just recently found out. 
and I was uh, I was excited to ask you to see if, if you know the answer. Do you know who the first black baseball announcer was uh, for Major League Baseball? I'm going to guess Bill White. Bill White, a, gr- a great guess. Uh, you know, whenever a, anybody uh, says a great guess, it means it's wrong. <laughs> Because you've now used that all three of my questions. <laughs> but the former teacher in me, Chad, I, you know, all, yeah, there's support. no such thing as a bad guess. That's right. The positive support and then just take him out with a roll block at the knees. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, I just found this out myself. The first black baseball announcer was coincidentally the also the first black baseball player, Jackie Roosevelt Robinson. Wow. Holy yeah. smokes. Isn't that nuts? I don't think I would have ever got uh, that wouldn't have been on my guest list. Yeah. I, I would have I'll be honest, I would have had Nipsey Russell higher than uh, <laughs> than Jackie Robinson. That's pretty yeah, impressive. I'm 0 for 3. Oh my god. That pop quiz brought to you by Spelling Bees. The bees that don't just make honey, Ted. They pronounce it phonetically and ask for it to be used in a sentence. My guest today, the hilarious Ted Alexandro. Follow Ted on Twitter and Instagram at Ted Alexandro. Catch his new special, Senior Class of Earth. Huge tour coming up with Jim Gaffigan. They're good. They're, they're, you're going to see them everywhere. They're all over the country, including a stint at New York City's famous Radio City uh, Music Hall. Go see him for God's sake. You're going to be thrilled. Ted, thank you so much for coming. Oh, Chet, what a pleasure. I've been a fan for a long time, and I appreciate you having me on. Hey, my pleasure. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and follow my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Go to jeffcesario.com or at tedalexandro.com. Find out what he's up to. Uh, Cesario Kids got an album coming out soon. It's called What Was I Thinking? Uh, Listen, thanks all of you for listening. Support my sponsor, starburns.com. Get funny and get it fast. If you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Cheddar Falls. Wisconsin with the final round of the International Speed Fishing Championships. That's the combination of speed skating and ice fishing. Perennial Power Norway facing upstart South Korea led by, yes, John Boon Ho. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.